Hello, hello, hello. It's Friday night with Big D, which means it's time for another edition of the Big D podcast. Before I bring in Robin, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page where you can see all my content. Got football, golf, track and field, walking. What else you want? So check out the Big D pod, uh, podcast for your audio listeners on Spotify and Apple. So, uh, you know, next week, the uh, first ever World Track and Field Championships will be taking place on American soil. And uh, America's race walking queen, queen uh, Robin Stevens, will be taking part in the uh, 20K uh, week from tonight. In fact, the race will be happening and will be finishing not that f- right about the same time, maybe a little earlier or later. So, Robin, uh, you ready for Eugene? Uh, yeah, ready as I can be. <laughs> so, Robin, uh, how is your training going? Because I think you have literally traveled halfway around the world. Like I've seen you in California. I've seen you in Spain. Where the heck are you tonight? <laughs> well, now I've been, the past couple of weeks, I've been in Colorado, just outside of Boulder, training with my coach and my Spanish teammates. Um, so my coach Jacinto Garzon is Spanish with the Spanish Federation. So they have their marathon in uh, race walkers here. So I came here to meet up for some altitude training as we prep for world championships. But I basically have been, I've only been home for a total of maybe three weeks, maybe a month this entire year. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you had, if you could, if you could keep track of how many miles you traveled through the air, through coals, like how many miles have you traveled this year? And this is July 8th. <laughs> I don't know. And I have another, um, I plan to do, if I can figure out a way to get there, I plan to do the uh, Silver Label World Athletics Race Walk Tour uh, in, um, in France in September as well. So, but that'll be a quick there and back because I have my nephew's birthday to be at and can't miss that and um, like some time with my family before the next season starts again yeah family time before the next before next summer's awards in Budapest so uh, yeah because I'm after after Oregon um since I'm pulled from the 35k I'm gonna do one of my favorite road races uh Wharf to Wharf so right after, we're going to spend a few days with my family. My fiance is coming out to watch. And then we're going to spend a few days with my family um, at a cabin about an hour outside of Eugene. Um, and then head down the coast to go to Wharf to Wharf, which is in Santa Cruz, to do um, my favorite run. And then from there, we'll spend like a week, maybe, or a few days in Vacaville and a few days in Mojave in a a day maybe in LA and just so that my fiance Carl George can meet my best friend in person and um, mentor Susan and Cynthia and then basically we're going to be driving for three to four days across the United States to Florida which is where I'm going to be until um, if they add the race walks to NACAC in the Bahamas I'll be there until second week of August, then go to Bahamas and then come straight back and then fly to San Diego for a dental appointment for one day and then fly from there to France 
for three or four days and then back to Vacaville for uh, my nephew's birthday and then figure out how I'm going to get back to Florida or wherever my coach wants me to be for best training. I might end up in Mojave for altitude training. Good Lord. Flying <laughs> from Tampa to San Diego, San Diego to France, and then maybe France back here? To San Francisco Good for Lord. my nephew's birthday. And then maybe back to Tampa for like a week. Or I'm like, I got to look at the calendar and figure it out because yeah, it's all because it's beginning in September, we're gearing up for the 35k nationals for 2023. So good Lord, you need net, you need NetJet to sponsor you. I need what? You need NetJet to sponsor you. I need, I need everyone to sponsor me at this point. I've basically been competing entirely pro bono this year. (laughs) So number one, USA race walker. And I've made zero, <laughs> zero money. So That's hoping to make up for it next year. We'll make up for it next weekend. And next weekend, yeah. Next weekend, um, hopefully uh, they've, uh, <laughs> they need to figure out, uh, they, they kind of like, I guess, lost the money for, for people who qualify. <laughs> so they gotta, we got our AAC president, vice president looking into that. Um, so that's been a big question in the air all year for me too, because that's the only um, money I'll get this year. And I've been living entirely on a credit card. And uh, if I don't pay it off, it's maxed out. Like I have like $56 left on it. Um, if I don't pay it off by Jan- or February of 2023, that interest is going to kick in and it's going to kill me. Um, so I'm really hoping they pull through on, on the bonus that you make when you make a team. And then unfortunately, um, my opportunity to make money in the, by placing top eight was taken from me um, because uh, my, I mean, yeah, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the 20K, but on the current rankings, I'm number, if you look at my time for the 35K, I'm number 15. And um and uh, I've placed fifth, which because of a hamstring issue, I was fourth when I was in Dudensk. And um, so I just feel like there was a good chance that I could have been a top eight, especially with all the Europeans who are and um, South Americans who are opting not to do the 35K. Um, because since 35K is not in the Olympics in 2024, <coughs> Um, most world athletics athletes are opting, women coaches are opting for us to just keep focusing on the 20K. Um, so since European, so I don't know how Budapest will work out, but since European championships is only two weeks after Worlds, a lot of um, top European race walkers either opted not to come to Worlds or they're opted to only do the 20K. Like Maria Perez, for example, is number one or number two seated in the 35K and she, um, I think number two behind Glinda but she's opting for the 20K. And like, that's what a lot of people are doing. Um, so top eight would have really helped me financially. And that was my best event for that to happen. Unfortunately, things need to be worked out uh, majorly on selections and, and, and understanding what automatic qualifying means. But um, like, I don't think a lot of federations understand what automatic means. But when you have only one automatic qualifier, and only like I'm the only automatic qualifier in the 35k they're not sending me you only have three automatic qualifiers in the in the long jump 
but they're not sending Tara. So it's like, to me, it's like, it doesn't make sense. I know there's this nostalgia for Olympic trials, but, or trial system, but it really is so ancient. It's not up with the times. It's not sending our best athletes because um, if you only have three or less automatic, those are the ones who should automatically be going. And the only time trials make sense is if you got to break a tie or there's more than three people that are, have the automatic time. So that's the history with that, but we'll see how the 20K goes. Um, it'll be a little bit tougher to place top eight um, and we'll see how everything works out with the heat. And um, But I do know that there's, it's unlike the Olympics, you're gonna have like four people from a country in it instead of three because um, you have China who has four because they have the buy because uh, they won the Olympics. And then you're going to have, um, you know, some others from like uh, World Athletics Championships, you know, stuff like that. So. Yeah, we could talk. Yeah, we could talk for, for three and a half hours about all these <laughs> countries not sending athletes and about how certain athletes can compete because uh, I've heard of like Ireland not sending athletes, Great Britain. Yeah, yeah, but, I just read yet, about Ireland before we met. <laughs> but yet uh, I keep hearing, but yet some athletes like Adolin Muhammad didn't even compete yeah. at the World Championship trials and may be able to compete because she's got the buy-in. She has the buy-in, yeah. I mean, it sounds a little funky. Yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that after the race. We can yeah. get way more into it after July 2015th. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll be in the air. So I'll, I'll actually be land. I'll hopefully land in Illinois right at about the time you race. Oh, what are you doing um, in Illinois? Uh, seeing family and friends. Oh, fun. I need, well, I need Peacock. I need my laptop and iPad. <laughs> uh, yeah one laptop may be on the open and one laptop will be on your race awesome <laughs> yeah so um obviously you're in Colorado and uh it's interesting that all, a lot of runners and walkers choose altitude train when you're going to be competing in heat and humidity when you're competing in heat and humidity I mean are there are there more advantages to training at altitude than at, than maybe at a warm place like uh oh wait South Florida? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, Florida is hot and below sea level, so it doesn't really give a lot, and it's high humidity, so you're losing a lot of water. It's hard to replace it. Like I'm having a hard enough time. I drink on average 64 ounces of fluids a day, and I was reading that when you get close to 8,000 feet of altitude you're supposed to double what you normally drink. Well, it's really hard to get over 120 ounces a day. I, I tried that in, in Vegas in 2019 and 18, and I could not get enough. Like I was drinking all day, peeing all day, and I still was dehydrated. Like I just couldn't get like, and I would get over 120, 122 ounces. So um, the heat, if the more you lose, you got to be able to replenish that too. Um, so the, the advantage of going to altitude is it does, it's taken me a bit of an adjustment period here. I've never been this high. The highest I've ever been is about half this um, height. And Guadix was where I've been training for the first 
quarter of the year. And then where I train in, in uh, Mojave, um, that's about 400, 500 feet higher than Guadix. So that's the highest I've ever been. And then here, it's so cute. Um, my Spanish teammates keep asking me like where things are, where could we see the fireworks? Where, where do we get testing? As if I know this place and I, I have to describe to them like, you know what, before this, this training camp, I had never been outside of the Denver airport. So um, maybe briefly, I saw Colorado Springs last summer for like a day, uh, like for like two hours. Um, but I, I was trying to describe it to him. I was like, each state is like a different country. The only thing we have in common is that here in the States, we all speak English. And some of us speak different English, depending if you're from the South, the middle, the East or the, <laughs> the North and the West. But, um, but other than that, like, you know, I have to navigate and figure out where where things are. So it's been kind of fun. I'm just like, like, well, let me look it up. Let me see uh, where's the best place to see fireworks, where's the best place to get tested. But um, it the altitude helps open up um, your blood cells, get, you know, so you're used to training high intensity, um, working harder, you know, so it's harder to breathe. So then when you go down to to um, sea level, it's easier. It feels easier. Like it's just a psychological thing. Um, so I know here it's been, I think we've only had two days where it felt good, which gives me hope because the days that felt good is the same temperature that's going to be in Oregon for our race, or at least what's predicted. Um, because all the other days have been like over 90 degrees Fahrenheit and in the morning, <laughs> it's like 88, like this morning, it was 88 Fahrenheit. Um, at 8.30 a.m. Um, Holy so, cow. Eight, yeah. So, 8,000 so feet above sea level? Yeah. So we're definitely preparing ourselves for the heat and like feeling harder than what hopefully it'll feel when we get to sea level. I know the Germans are in Arizona right now. Um, they've been there the past three weeks and for altitude as well. And it's hotter there than here. So hopefully... Um, for all of us that have been training up at altitude where it's hot, it'll feel really good in, in Eugene, <laughs> yeah, even on a hot day in Eugene. Yeah, I've never been to Colorado. If, you, if anybody has been in the airport, like the Denver airport, it's in the middle of nowhere. Oh, oh, I'll give you a high five there because that was me before these past two weeks. I'm like, I know the Denver airport the L and the LA airport and the San Francisco airport super well. Oh, and Chicago airport. Like, Which one, O'Hare? Yeah, O'Hare. <laughs> but like, I've spent so many hours because I used to, I used to travel standby before standby was for just anyone who flies. Um, we used to get a really good deal. My dad, because he had worked there since like the seventies, and so until I was twenty-five, I had priority where I could fly standby, sometimes in first class for twelve dollars. And, but yeah, but that was the only way I could travel as an athlete when I was under 20. Otherwise my parents couldn't afford to get me anywhere. Um, but the trade-off is I'd have to try plan to leave a week before my race in case I don't get on a flight, um, which would often happen. So, um, I've spent the night countless nights. Like I related with terminal in some ways, the terminal with, a. Gosh, the guy from um, Tom Hanks, like where I've had to straighten my hair in the airport, shave, you know, in the airport because I've been there for like three days waiting to get on a plane. 
Hey, you, hey, you going just fine with everybody else at airports now because nobody could get on a flight. <laughs> That's true. That now it's normal with COVID. All the flights getting canceled and rebooted to the next one, and we'll see if we get there. You get to Illinois. Let me know. You get to Illinois. I let you know if I get to uh, Eugene on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking you're flying to Eugene on Sunday or Monday. On Monday. Because yeah, because um, for altitude, you don't want to go, you don't want to come down before more than four days before a race. Yeah, it's usually 72 hours before a race, thereabout. Yeah. So thinking about your race, I mean, who do you think, I mean, who do you think will, will be tough? Because you think back to last year and the Italians dominated the 20K race walk, but, uh, and, I'm trying to see and so sorry my who wanted it? it's Antonella is that is that her name is that her name yeah Antonella yeah I don't want to even try it because I'll probably butcher the name too <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I can say the Italian girl the Italian yes um yeah so it'll it'll be um between her probably and the Chinese are always strong um and they're sending four this year and then Maria Perez my Spanish teammate um she definitely will be up there uh so um it'll be interesting how it plays out I mean, I'm obviously biased I'm gonna I'm like I'm going for my teammate <laughs> I mean what are your goals because I mean what are your goals in the race? Is there a certain place you want? Um, no, mostly just uh, I want to have a smart race and um, place higher than I did at the Olympics. And um, that's pretty much it. Uh, I mean, I have my targets, but I don't know what will be realistic until I get there. You know, when I feel the heat, I feel how my body feels. Um, I mean, I feel good. Uh, so we'll see, but I never like to put all my eggs in one basket. You know, I try to listen. I'm really good at listening to my body. And then on race day, I know, like I wake up, I feel it. And I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> it's so, going to be tactical. That's what, I mean, Olympics and worlds, because of the time of year they are, it's, it's always a technical race over a, a time trial. Yeah, because you see these diamond league race on the track and, and they look more like sprints, but then you see World's Olympics and it's and, it, <laughs> yeah. and it's weight and it's weight tall bomb goes off and then all of a sudden it's like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Yeah, who's gonna take it? Who who's gonna be the brave one to take it? Especially the men's race. They always have this big pack, and then it's like, all right, you know. Is Percy gonna take it? Evan gonna take it? Who's gonna take it? No. <laughs> I mean, because you saw, you saw, you probably saw that men's five k in Eugene a couple of weeks ago, where the Bauman Track Club ran a ran a team time trial. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually didn't see it, but um, I've I've watched enough. One of my favorite races to watch are the the five k and the ten k. Um, so normally when I'm, I wasn't there. So if I was there, I would have definitely watched. I, I do. One of the things I love about watch, why I love watching the 10 K and five K is the same reason why I like watching the race walks, um, is every, you can have this big group and it's not until the final few laps in the 10 K and five K, it could be the last 200 and someone or the last 400. And all of a sudden you think 
you know who's going to win. I remember in Toronto at NACAC a few years ago, it was like, I was watching, I don't remember if it was the 10K or the, I think it was the 10K, but you thought you knew who was going to win. And then the guy that was 200 meters back starts to sprint at 600 meters and ends up winning by like 50 meters. It was so fun to watch. So like, those, those are the things like, so it might start off. And then traditionally, like with marathons, when I, when I log on, if I want to watch like the CIM race or Boston or New York, I usually wait until about mid-race to to watch because I know the beginning's just gonna be a big pack. And you know, and you know the person who runs out stupid fast and gets a two-minute lead and like, oh, we'll see, we'll see you. We'll yeah. See you we'll yeah. See you Usually those are the amateurs or or it's been decided that they already, you know, maybe their team decided that that person's going to be the rabbit to try to get someone else to go after them, knowing that they're probably not going to be a medalist. So it's all tactic. It's either amateur or tactic. <laughs> so, so that's why it's good to just know your body. You know, your body doesn't matter what anybody else is doing because, you know, you've got you, if you're training right, you're eating right, you're hydrated right, and you know yourself. It really doesn't matter what anybody else does. So as you know, Eugene is hosting the first world championships taking place on American soil. How big is it for the U.S. to host a world championship? Because we've seen all these great athletes compete in all different events. And now it's happening in our backyard at Hayward Field starting next week. Yeah, well, you know, the Hayward is the place to have it, to have the first, for Americans to truly experience the amazingness of, and just the depth of just truly fast um, athletes and strong, because you can't leave out the field events. And um, like, it would, it, it's gotta be in Hayward. There's, there's no better place than Hayward Field. Um, unfortunately, I don't know what it's like to compete on the new track, uh, just because the race walks aren't ever on the track. Back in the old days, we were on, we would compete on when I was running and race walking, we'd compete on the old Hayward Field, which has this magic to it. Um, I really miss it, actually. <laughs> um, but the this this place, like you can walk around. People know what race walk is. People know they, they like the front cover of the newspaper is track and field, not football not hockey, not basketball, is track and field, and it'd be like pages of it, like five pages of the sports section. Um, so that part's exciting. And I really hope that they pull through in, with tradition and, and showing the rest of the world that, you know, especially in race walk, because I know like my teammates here, they're like, oh, but Americans don't really like, they don't really understand race walk, do they? So there's not gonna be a big crowd out there. And I was like, you know, if there's gonna be any place where there's a crowd, it'll be in Eugene um, for race walk in America. <laughs> um, and we've always had a great turnout uh, for Olympic trials last year and the in 2016 Olympic trials in, so we had it in Springfield. I'm trying to remember where it was in two, uh, Salem and 2016 and uh, we had a great turnout and it's just, it's, it's a turnout you're not gonna get any, in any other state in the US. So it's amazing, um, it's amazing. <laughs> I will say this, the crowd, the World Championship trial crowd was was pitiful. It looked like it looked like a spring training crowd for 
in Arizona or Florida. I mean, they were like 3,000 yeah. people. You know, I think part of it is it's really expensive, um, more expensive than other world championship tickets. And I mean, in Doha, they were giving out the tickets for free the first few days. Yeah, because and, nobody was going there. Yeah, because it's so hot. Um, but uh, I know that because they've had so much going on in in Oregon on, on Hayward Field. So we had Prefontaine Classics. We've had the under 20 national like championships there. We had NCAAs there. And it's all been back to back to back and it's super expensive. So I think a lot of people are saving up. Um, another thing is we have world athletic rankings. There's no real need for trials except for the sprints. So I think that's what a lot of people have realized too. We also didn't even have our senior race walk in that event. It was under 20s. Um, we didn't have our senior level there. Um, so you're not gonna have that fan base there. Um, Delilah Muhammad's not competing. You're not going to have that fan base there to see the Sydney Delilah. Like everybody loves watching that. Uh, you know, there's just a lot where they're like, yeah, I'm going to wait till Worlds where I get to see more of the people I know are going to be there because it's not guaranteed that they're going to be, that they were at, um, at the trials. Plus trials doesn't really, with the world ranking system, it really does only make sense for the sprints. So uh, besides your race walking events, uh, what's one event you can't wait to watch and what, and who's one athlete you can't wait to see in Eugene? Honestly, I like, uh, I mean, I'll probably, I wanted to stay and watch the women's 35k, uh, but I'm going to be on the road on the way to Wharf to Wharf. Um, so probably the marathon. Um, which I'd really one? like to see, well, I'd really like to see how Sarah does just because I used to compete against her and this is her first world she's made um, that isn't cross country. Um, so I just want to see how she fares and, and in her own, she is from California and for us Californians, like Oregon's like our cousin. And, you know, I know like every summer when we were younger, we'd always go up to Prefontaine Classics, the, the, the big, you know, the one for the high schoolers before pre. And um, so I think that'll be kind of special for her. And so it'd be fun to watch. And then um, the person though, that I'm really looking forward to watching and seeing how she does is Delilah Muhammad. I really, really, I, I got to kind of, um, I don't know her personally, but just seeing her interact in uh, Tokyo and listening, just hearing how she conducts herself. Like she's, an, she's a good woman. Like she's, she's admirable and um, impressive to watch, so. I think you've got. I think you've got the right event, but uh, I really like seeing the four-meter hurdle. Hurdles. I mean, Sydney McLaughlin. Yeah, the hurdle, hurdles are painful to watch hey, sometimes when they fall. Hey, 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 your walker. Hey, your walkers in race for an hour and a half. The hurdles are done in fifty-one seconds. <laughs> At the slowest, yeah. No, but uh, I love seeing Sydney McLaughlin, Dalil Muhammad, Femke Bold, the fact that all three of them could break the world record, something. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it'll be fun to watch. Hopefully, Carlson Wilhelm is healthy because we've barely seen him at all. The one race he did run, he didn't last long because he wrecked the hamstring. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, you know her. There's always a surprise at an Olympic Olympics or yeah. championships on the track, and uh, 
Oh yeah. Oh, even on the course, so look at, uh, you have um, David Tomwala of Poland was not expected to win gold whatsoever. He would come close to gold. He wins gold in the 50K in Tokyo. And, um, and everybody and thought Molly, Se Molly Seidel, you know, who just was like, eh, I'm just going to go out and see if I can stay in the top three. <laughs> and everybody thought he was crazy for coming out that fast. And not only he won the race, the next guy, he he dominated like uh if you feel great your train's going well you can handle it so exactly well. if you know your body we got to listen to your body <laughs> so uh, thanks for hopping on robin we wish you the best go kick some you know what in eugene and uh fly it's uh usually usually because i'm an fgcu eagle one we say fly like an eagle but you uh. but but this time we're going to say fly like an American eagle. Ah, nice. <laughs>